0: to talk about missed opportunities. I want to talk about kairos and chronos, God's uh, biblical sense of of time and timing. In the scripture, when you talk about time, there's two different words that are often used to refer to it. Chronos is simply the passing of moments, you know, second by second. It's the time that you see on the clock. It's the, the, you know, the earth spinning on its axis and revolving around the sun. It's fixed and it doesn't change. But then there's this other kind of Time in the Bible, and the word that's used to talk about that is is Kairos, and Kairos is different from Chronos in that Kairos has really nothing to do with uh, time on the clock. Kairos has to do with uh, an opportune moment, uh, uh, the circumstances being arranged in such a way that it's a critical time of opportunity. That if you uh, miss it, you miss the moment, you miss the time of opportunity. It's a uh, it's a momentous occasion. God sent His Son in the fullness of time, that when the time was just right, that when the circumstances on human civilization and development, I don't know if that had to do with the Roman Empire and having the lingua franca, one language of Greek across the whole known world, or what it was exactly, but whatever it was, it was, it was the circumstance was arranged in such a way that it was time. Now, now's the moment. Jesus God looks to the, the, Father looks to the Son and says, go, now's the moment to take on flesh and reveal who we are. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for the time to be right, but it wasn't the, it wasn't quite, now it's time. Another biblical example is in Romans chapter 5 when Paul says that at just the right time, while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So we would understand that it's all mercy. Such a deeply significant biblical word, understanding the the, the timing and the the moment you're in and, and, and living according to the moment you're in and not out of season. There's a phrase used in English, we talk about strike while the iron is hot and this is of course taken from blacksmithing where they put the iron in the forge and wait until it's red hot and then they wait even until it's more than red hot, it becomes yellow and almost white but if it gets too hot it ruins it. And if you take it out before it's hot enough to strike it, it, it won't be malleable. It won't be, uh, you won't be able to make anything out of it. Or if you take it out but you're too slow to get around to it, it'll cool too much and you won't be able to do a thing with it. You have to strike while the iron's hot. Another group besides blacksmith that understands the significance of a kairos moment and living in accordance with the, the timing of God are farmers, or at least they, they have to. For farmers to be effective, they have to arrange their activities, they have to arrange their energies completely around the season they're in. And what I mean is this, there's a time to plant, and that's the only thing you can do in that season. You can't harvest, and if you miss it, if you plant too late, the crop will be spoiled. If you plant too early, you're in danger and it won't be productive, you'll waste seed. But there's a, there's a season to plant, there's another season to let to let to let it grow and water it. And then there's harvest season and during harvest season every farmer knows this. You every other priority gets dropped because it because the harvest has to come in and if it has to come in when it's ripe it has to come in now. And if you don't get it all in it gets spoiled. And we had Penn Clark here one time and he talked about the apples on the trees were were hanging with, heavy with fruit and all the apples, if they're not taken, if, they're, if you don't get them in, they spoil, they rot, and they fall to the ground rotten, and there's flies everywhere, and it's a total waste. In one moment, he, he recognized, just like with the apples, and just like a farmer will recognize, one of the sayings of Jesus. He says, look around and investigate the fields. They are ripe, ready for harvest. They are white unto harvest. And then he says this, he says, ask, this is Luke 10 to ask the Lord of the harvest therefore, because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. What's he saying, what's he saying? He's saying the problem, the problem is not on the world's side. They're ready, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're ripe, They if they see a credible example, they will say yes. They will respond. They, are, they don't even know that they're ready. How could they? But the weak link in the production chain is workers. So... This is a kairos moment, says Jesus. This is a kairos moment in human history, says Jesus. And if you have kingdom perspective, you'll pray this way and you'll respond to the leading of God and to the awareness, the eye-opening to the kairos moment you're in and you'll live like a farmer. Get up early to get the harvest in. Stay up late to get the harvest in. Put your vacation on hold to get the harvest in. Put your personal hobbies on hold to get the harvest in. Because this harvest is the point of all the rest of the farming we do all year. There's the ability to have biblical truth. There's a, the ability to have a deep and biblical understanding of the scripture, but be out of step with the timings of the Lord. In other words, you could put it this way. If you're a prophet delivering the message of God to some person, if you deliver the word early, it's as though you didn't deliver the right word at all. If you deliver the word late, it's as though you didn't deliver the word the right word at all. It's the right word delivered in the right way at the right time that brings the right response and the right result. I remember hearing my dad talk about a gentleman who gave himself to evangelism and he was functioning in a discernment gift. He, he was speaking with a dad and the dad and he was saying to the dad, I'm going to come back and talk to you tomorrow about this thing. I can sense you're ready to receive Jesus. And the son was like, What about me? And he goes, You're not ready. You're not receptive. Your interest isn't sincere. Whoo, that's fascinating. Now, that kid could have been offended or he could have been stopped up short to realize, you know what, that's absolute truth. I didn't really want to have this conversation with that guy because I wanted Jesus. I only wanted to know why he didn't invite me along. Truth is, I'm not ready. And that that word delivered by that Baptist evangelist who was functioning in a Holy Spirit gift called discernment, though he might not have even believed in the gifts of the Spirit, that word itself might have helped get that guy ready. <laughs> but there's, there's a time to deliver a word from the Lord. There's a time. There's a timing in God. We can have a deep and comprehensive knowledge of the Bible, but there's a proverb that says an apt word at the proper time is like uh, an, apple, uh, an apple of uh, a diamond or something like that, set in, in settings of gold. It's, it's, in other words, it's like fine jewelry, there's something about the right word at the right time that's just as sweet as anything. It's just, it's a good, it's a good thing, it's a God thing. And so what I'm trying to say is we, we need biblical truth, we need deep theology, we need a comprehensive understanding of God, but it's not, that's not all we need. We need a deep and prophetic awareness of the season we're in and what's the right thing to be doing right now. What's the right activity to be giving ourselves to right now. If it's a season to rest, then we should not be working. If it's a season to plant, then we should not be expecting a harvest. We'll end up frustrated. And if it's a season to harvest, then we ought not be in vacation mode. We can vacation in the off-season. And there is an off-season, guys. There's a biblical season to rest and Sabbath. But there's a biblical season to be all hands on deck and giving ourselves sacrificially to this thing. In World War II, there was a, a radical revision of what is going to be uh, possible for the United States. And you have women uh, joining the workforce for the first time in a, in a dramatic uh, display of solidarity as, as sugar is short and uh, metal is short and production is focused, even like the chocolate companies, uh, being asked can you produce this instead uh, so everything the American lifestyles put on hold because we're in wartime we can't live with our regular acquisition of goods resources and finances rather we need to ask you to pool your resources and channel your energies so that we can protect our basic freedom this is this is an all hands on deck moment and you know me I don't even like the phrase all hands on deck but this was one a wartime lifestyle where we give up our regular pursuits and we dedicate ourselves to contributing to this cause. And there'll be time for that later. There'll be time for career later. There'll be time for vacations later. There'll be time for home building later, but now we need you to jump on board and fight with a wartime mentality rather than a peacetime mentality. Jim Elliott, the martyr, missionary, famously said this beautiful quote, he is no fool who gives up what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. What did he mean? He meant if I lose my life in this this world, if I lose career, if I lose friendship, if I lose reputation, or my very physical life itself, as as I sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, I've gained. I've gained. I have both eternal life, and I have reward, and I have blessing, and I have a position in eternity where I've I've. I've invested in people who live forever instead of stuff that fades away and doesn't matter. So John Piper talked about this cruise ship versus this cruise ship mindset versus this wartime mindset. and one example would be prayer if you have a, a cruise ship mindset. Prayer for you is like a, a you know a, a, an intercom to call the butler to bring you a drink as you chill out on your chair with your Hawaiian T-shirt and your little uh, you know, you're, you're just chilling, man. just relaxing in the sun and just... But if you have a wartime mindset and you're in the thick of the battle, you view prayer as a walkie-talkie to call in and a strategic airstrike, to take critical ground at the time, the only time when it matters. And when I compare these two things, it starts to become laughable, right? Like like the whole idea of wasting our lives and, and, and living like we're on vacation or living like we're already... You know, in some sense, like we're... Like the work is over. Like the battle's been won. Now, don't hear me wrong. The battle's been won by Jesus decisively on the cross. But until his return, we've actually been equipped to continue to apply the victory to perishing people. And This is our one shot, man. He says Jesus is is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He sits on his throne, and it says in Hebrews that he is waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. And who, who, who are the people who are now Taking that victory at the cross and applying it against the powers and principalities, setting people free in his name, come on, it's his church and he said he build his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against us, which means we are coming against the gates of hell, which means they are hiding in their fortress, trying to withstand our offensive assault, which means that while Jesus is in heaven, seated beside the Father, with all authority given to him, and he's got all the glory, and he's been exalted after all his suffering, that now he is assigning and he's f- the authority and the work and the ongoing cause to, to seek and save that which is lost, Luke 19.10, to his church. His church continues his offensive military strike against the powers and principalities that hold the world in slavery. That's the opportunity. That's the moment. That's the kairos we're living in, church. That's the moment we're living in. We're not yet. We're not yet in vacation time. We're not yet in holiday mode. We're not yet resting from all our labors like the saints who've overcome in the book of Revelation and who are on the other side of death. No, we're not resting from our labors we're we're making our one life in this world count for eternity because our labor in the lord first corinthians 15 is not in vain but ecclesiastes says every other kind of labor is utterly in vain every other kind of labor is utterly in vain but our labor in the, in the lord is not in vain no matter how hard it gets No matter how small it is, even if it's just a cup of cold water in his name, Jesus says we surely won't lose our reward. Everything can be leveraged against eternity in this life for the sake of Jesus and an eternal, eternally significant expenditure, investment of our life rather than a waste of our life. But that's only if we know and recognize the kairos of the moment we're in. I remember hearing Jackie Pullinger, missionary to Hong Kong, tell of people who would say when natives on an island who, when they found out about the gospel, thought of their relatives who had died before the gospel came, and they said, why didn't you come sooner? Why has it taken you 2,000 years to get to us? And she heard someone say, well, it wasn't Kairos. And Jackie, in this talk that I listened to on a little cassette tape in college, she yelled the word, no, no! Don't tell me it wasn't Kairos. It was always Kairos. As soon as we got the gospel, why would it take us 2,000 years to get around to telling your people about the glory of God and Jesus, about the love of Jesus, the news, the knowledge that brings abundant life here on earth, an eternal life that lasts forever in heaven, that reconciles the sinner to, to the loving father and, and t- frees them from the slavery to sin and the lake of fire that's for the devil and his angels. She says, don't tell me it wasn't Kairos. Don't give me that excuse because it was Kairos. And somebody, generations missed their moment I love hearing stories of people who are living with a view to the kairos, the the season and the time that they're in. And they're not, they're they're living in such a way as to make the most of the days, like scripture says, because the days are evil. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't miss the opportunities. Don't. mm. So how does this apply to us at Gateway? I feel like. It always applies to all of us as believers, but I feel like as a, as a pastor at Gateway who's primarily gifted in the prophetic, I have a prophetic intuition about the season Gateway is in. And what I'm sensing in my spirit is your presence is unusually important at this time. It's more important now than it has been in previous seasons, and it's more important now than it will be in seasons to come. Your presence is because of what you carry in the spirit, because of what you contribute to our corporate momentum and to the forward progress of this little body. I feel your absence, whoever you are, more keenly than before, than any other season. And I feel your presence in terms of corporate momentum. Like even my own wife, when she walks into the room, I feel the spirit in the room change. Don't, don't hear this as guilt, this is not guilt. I'm not, I'm not trying to put legalism on anybody. I'm talking about something I'm intuiting in the spirit and the season we're in. Your presence, it, it matters more in this season than it normally does, normally would, because of a corporate momentum at a critical hour when the Holy Spirit is calling us to define our goal more clearly than before and to go on offense more aggressively than before. Your faith, your, the presence of your faith, the pull you put on God, the invitation to your friends and neighbors and coworkers, workers your, your unique contribution as who you are and what you carry. I just feel in my spirit that this is a season for Gateway. To go on the warpath. To go on, on offense. I feel your absence in terms of the atmosphere. Or your presence. Very keenly in terms of a corporate momentum. And I feel like the significance of the season we're in right now, Gateway is that right now we are setting the trajectory and the tone for the next 20 years, for the next 40 years, for the next 60 years, for the next 120 years. This is not a window of opportunity I want us to miss, and so rather than simply sense these things in the spirit but not talk about it, I felt I needed to talk about it. I actually feel like this is a season where I would like you to ask Jesus what he's asking you to pick up in this critical hour to leverage kairos, to leverage time against eternity, to bring a disproportionate increase in your own growth, in your own anointing, to bring good things to the people around you, to bring the kingdom into your workplace, to bring strength into this place, to show up here prayed up and spiritually alert and aware with someone on your heart, ready to distribute a word from the Lord, an encouragement, a song, a poem, uh, some report, some testimony, that you come ready to worship Jesus and bring him an offering and come ready to testify in a way that builds and strengthens and encourages others around you because this is a time when your contribution feels to me like it matters more than it normally does. Kairos, it matters, you matter. We're at Batman, it's time to swing at the pitches and swing for the fences, love you.